0: In the dig portion of our launch and what i'd like you to do is to read with me what it says up on the screen what a christian is it says with me someone who follows jesus by devoting his or her one life to god's kingdom dream for the world so simply foot put a follower of jesus follows jesus and we've talked about love We'd looked at the number of laws that people had kind of created, the 600-plus laws, that Jesus in the New Testament brought them down to two, to love others, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, and to love God. And so the two rules functioning in love. We've looked at justice. It was defined as using our power that we have for the people who do not have power or those who are marginalized We looked then at peace, and that was basically an outcome of love and justice, that peace would reign. And last week we looked at wisdom. Now I don't know about you, but I found myself this week kind of hearing this little voice in my head when I was making a decision, is that wise? That cookie, hmm, is that wisdom? So, it's a good thing to be examining each of these pieces almost as we pull apart the fabric. And this morning, we're going to be looking at the topic of the church, its church life. Now, Scott's chapter starts, this may be the hardest chapter for some people to stomach. And I found myself saying, oh, well, that's not me. I love the church. When I came to Discovery first, and then when we were here, and I looked at all of the different opportunities that I had to serve, I thought, okay, I love to speak, I love to teach, I love working with the kids, I love coffee and the cafe and just kind of visiting with people, I really enjoy um, greeting people, I love life group, there's so many different things, and so I found myself saying, well, that doesn't mean me, I'm not going to have trouble with this chapter. But what I've been finding through this book, and you can put your hand up if you join me in this, is that God's been kind of uh, changing the definition of some things, and perhaps I need to stand up and sit in a different chair to look at it a different way, or sometimes I need to look in the mirror to see what it is that I really think about something, to look at myself, or I need to consider that maybe what I always thought God had to say about certain things aren't what I thought. So let me ask you a question. When we say church, what do you think about? Do you think about Sunday morning service? Do you think about maybe some of the meetings or teams that you work with? Do you think of worship and the music, which has been great, by the way? Do you think of people? Do you think of the different activities we do? Maybe um, the kitchen that we go to? I was gonna say Cultivate Kitchen, but they haven't changed the name yet for us. Um, do you think of maybe the food bank? You know what kinds of things do you think about? Do you think, oh, church, it's the opportunity for me to be fed? Um, When we didn't want this church to close, what was it that we didn't want to close? So how many people of you, and there's no camera on you, by the way, um, would say, I love my church? I would say, just from the feeling the pulse kind of of our group, that that's been something that has been growing and building within us, that we say, I love my church. And so what happens is that we invite our friends because we want them to experience this. It's been a great experience for us, so we think, oh, I want so-and-so to come to this. Now, in this series, one of the words that we've been looking at is and talking about is kingdom, And so if this has been a positive experience for us, we think the following equation stands. And we say kingdom equals church. Because for us, they go together like this, and they equal one another. Now, sometimes when we go out and we invite people to church, they think Sunday morning at 11. That's how they think church is. Sometimes they think, oh, then I have to follow all these rules. Sometimes they think CCD, different classes that we take. They think the organization or or the building. They don't think kingdom equals church. In fact, they think the absolute opposite. They're thinking the kingdom does not equal church. Now, just because you're sitting here doesn't mean that you necessarily fall on one side or the other. I'm not saying that you automatically think kingdom equals church. And there's a lot of different reasons that we stop believing or don't believe that equation. Sometimes there's casualties of the church. It's a term that I was using with someone yesterday, talking about casualties. There are people who have had hurts or disappointments with leadership. And it's often some of what we've experienced over the last year and a half and often our response to that disappointment or to hurt or disillusionment is what? Do we jump back in? We leave. We kind of isolate. We pull back. Now, it doesn't even have to be that extreme. Sometimes we are on the inside crushed or disappointed maybe even by legalism within the church, different rules. Or Discovery's motto was what? It's a sin for church to be? Boring, boring. right. So if we see church as boring or irrelevant, then oftentimes we pull back. So we may not actually physically go, but we pull back and we stay within our own little kind of area. Now, there's a lot of different reasons that people can say, it's not that I don't believe in God I just don't go to church. Have you ever heard that before? A lot of people say, you know, ah, I believe in God, but I just don't believe in the church. Or I go to church on Sunday, but that's it. I'm not really involved beyond that. Now, these days, there's a real emphasis on spirituality, isn't there? Would you consider that the spirituality is an important thing? On love, on justice, social justice, peace but it's outside of the structure of the organized church. Now, the other thing that can happen sometimes, we're looking at different responses to our definition of church. Often if we're involved, sometimes we think, okay, this isn't turning out the way that I thought it would. I'm going to get more involved. Sometimes we don't pull back. Sometimes we jump in more. But the key here is that our definition of church often comes back to our own personal experience. So instead of kingdom equals church, kingdom does not equal church, it becomes personal experience equals church. But what we're looking at this morning is that the very core of Jesus' kingdom dream is a focus on God's society or his definition of the church. And his dream is not for one of solitude or individualism. It always creates community. And we were created for this. There's a hunger inside of us for that. So we're dissatisfied if we're not experiencing it to the full. Although sometimes we are satisfied with something that comes up short of what God's definition is, and we settle for second best. So this was a question that Jay posed to me this week as we prepared for the message, and this was the question. If Jesus meant for more than a personal experience when he said kingdom, don't you think he may have had the same idea when he said church? So let's take a look at where the church begins. Now, who can tell me the book that the church begins in? right so i think everybody is familiar somewhat with where the start did you say genesis that's okay it did really start in genesis that's what i tell the kids it's history it's his story so it really did start back in genesis she was just answering the deeper question that's all it was all right so let's take a look at where the church begins if you look at the story of the New Testament, the or sorry, the story in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are the first four books of the New Testament, and they are all what are called the Gospels, the New Testament that is the story of Jesus, his kingdom dream. It leads us from there into Acts, which is God's spirit-created community. Now, the author of One Life says that Long ago someone decided that the book of Acts would be called the Acts of the Apostles but a more accurate title would be the Acts of the Holy Spirit beginning at Pentecost. Now, the gospels, the four gospels have told us the story of Jesus birth, his life, his ministry, his death and his resurrection with three of the four gospels ending with Jesus going back to the Father after his resurrection. The book of Acts Starts with the disciples asking Jesus how he would bring about his kingdom and his ascension into heaven and his direct command to wait in Jerusalem for power to be his witnesses. And that's all before the church started. It's kind of like the original don't leave home without it. Jesus said, I want you to be my witnesses, but don't go yet. You have to have that power. And What they did before they waited was to choose by lot the disciple to replace Judas, and then they went to the room to wait, like Jesus said. Now, if you're in Acts 2, you see the story of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit coming, and it says, Suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violet wind. Tongues of fire were on their heads. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in tongues. Now watch what happens here. Peter, whose last significant act we often say was denying Christ three times, he stands up before these devout Jews who were gathered by what happened with the spirit being poured out. They're all thinking, are these guys drunk? What is going on? And he stands before them in power and explains it. He brings out the prophecy from the prophet Joel about in the last days that the spirit would be poured out. If you look through that passage in Acts 2, it is amazing, all of that spirit, power-filled sharing of the gospel. It's amazing. I thought, wow, what an, what an amazing picture of the sharing of the power of the gospel, What their response to the sharing was, they said, Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, the experience for me this week of going back through that and seeing the building blocks of how the church actually happened, I think I thought that it started with the stories of all the things they did together. I knew that Pentecost was in there somewhere. I go back and forth between reading the New International Version and New American Standard. I love the New American Standard because I study from there because it's translated word for word from the original text. But the New International Version is translated phrase by phrase. So, but I find it easier to read because of that. So when I look at the NIV, you know all how the little breakout paragraphs and the stories? So often I see an event isolated like this when really it's part of a bigger picture and that's what I was so amazed about this week is that I saw the progression that day after the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter powerfully Holy Spirit powered shared the gospel 3,000 people were added and they are the ones who were the church Let's look at the verses that we often know are what happened within the church. It's three screens long, so it's a little bit there, but we're going to break it down a bit. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So if we ask ourselves the question, what was it that changed from the gospel it was the addition of the Holy Spirit the sharing of the gospel that then led to the church so Jesus has lived his life with his disciples he had showed them the example of how to live dependent on the Father but when that Holy Spirit came it hadn't been poured out like that before and what caught my eye on that is one of the verses that I read this week it says The spirit was present to heal, and I thought, well, of course. And then I realized, no, not of course. So this, to me, is the crux of the change that we need to consider of what God would have us look at in the building of what makes a church. And so as we journey along, our greatest challenge will be not to build the church the way that we think it needs to be built, or even to use the concepts that we've looked at as our building blocks, because even the things like love, peace, justice, wisdom, they're all wonderful But it's not just different pieces of a puzzle that go together. It's more than just a Sunday dream, and it's more than programs. So if we look at Acts 2, to make it a little bit shorter, we can come up with kind of a progression. The definition of the church could be kingdom, is a called group of people, empowered by the Spirit, and then there's community, and they have community together. God's equation for the church is community. So if we follow his pattern, the church was birthed out of the Holy Spirit's power. Now, I've said Holy Spirit a whole bunch of times, and for some people, they're like, okay, I don't know what I think about that, all right? Okay, we're not going to get weird, but we cannot go outside of the progression how God started the church. Because when the Holy Spirit leads, it transforms or changes human abilities. It transcends or goes over our inabilities. And that's so that transformed people can participate in God's kingdom community here and now. Look at the change of Peter. He was totally transformed. He was not the same man. He walked with Jesus, but until he followed the Spirit and allowed the Spirit to use him, he didn't have the power to do the kingdom work. So the components of that community life together is a life lived with others, regardless of who they were. It's shaped by the teaching that Jesus did Through the apostles, a life experienced by eating with one another. And I think we have that one down pat, don't you think? I think we're doing really well with that. A life of prayer. I was glad John shared this morning what he did about the prayer for people who aren't in a group because I know, being in a life group, how much I appreciate the fact that people pray for me. And it's a life shared economically and materially. So our list, if you will, is friendship, teaching the faith, common meals, spirituality, worship, holistic care of one another, integrity. But the result of all of these things was daily growth. But it's not the programs or the habits of the church that made it the church. It's the Holy Spirit. Now, many people say that they want this genuine community, but they're not willing to lay down their one life in the pain of the genuine struggle that it takes, the relational struggle to get there. So we we need to ask ourselves, if we are not experiencing this being God's definition of the church, instead of blaming the external, does it reside within me? Am I a full participant in what God wants to do? By following the Holy Spirit in obedience, in stepping out in faith, in allowing him to transform me, have I given myself over to God in that way? I had a, a recent um, experience like that. I um, Those who are in my life group know that I've really been evaluating um, What's the purpose of life group? What should life group be for? What should those relationships look like? How transparent should we be with one another? How connected? Like, I just really have been kind of grappling with that, let's say, over the last year. And, you know, the thing that God showed me is that I needed to be transparent if I wanted other people to be transparent. I needed to be praying for people and encouraging other people if I wanted encouragement and be lifted up. If I wanted love and acceptance from everyone, then I needed to be willing to accept and to love others, even if they were different from me or I didn't understand. And I needed to be, it had to start with me. Now, I love this quote, J.F. Kennedy's inaugural speech. He said, one that people often know, it's my fellow Americans Ask not what your country can do for you, ask. So can we ask the same question of what can I do within my church? What do I need to do to allow God to do in me, not doing it ourselves, but allowing God to do it through me, for me, for us, to have community, to be that community for somebody else? And it has to start with me. Many of you know um, I lost a friend of mine in Africa a couple of weeks ago. He and his family were there on a mission in um, gardening and a lot of other things. So it's been very very real to me, a lot of the things that we've been doing. But, you know, I really appreciate Rob's life. And they were doing a blog of their adventure in Africa. And the second last entry, he said this quote, He said, lean into what's in front of you, and there you will find the kingdom. And I would encourage you and challenge you that the kingdom of God is found within us in the Holy Spirit and in front of us with one another. But, you know, the church is not just one person. It's all of us, isn't it? Because I can't be the church just on my own. So to rewrite our definition, we could say that the church is a community of people called out from the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit to represent the kingdom dream. And it sounds like a dream, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound great? It sounds like a good vision to have for us. The thing about a dream is that sometimes you wake up, okay? So if we want that dream, perhaps we need to look around and to see in our world where we see it. Or we need to look to the Lord to say, how can we bring it? In Central and Southern Africa, there is a Bantu saying that ties the culture together. And it is, it's about a concept which is Ubuntu. And it is, a person is a person through other people. Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who helped lead South Africa from apartheid into a more just society, said, one of the sayings in our country is Ubuntu, the essence of being human. Ubuntu speaks particularly about the fact that you cannot exist as a human being in isolation. It speaks about our interconnectedness, We think of ourselves far too frequently as just individuals separated from one another, whereas you are connected, and what you do affects the whole world. So if you look at what Jesus said about kingdom, he envisioned a society characterized by Ubuntu. And he envisioned God's people living before God and with others in a way that embodied the will of God in a new kind of society. Sometimes we talked about personal experience. Sometimes that wonderful dream society is not our experience because churches reflect the realities of real humans who participate in kingdom living in a world broken by sin and systemic evil. So it's so important that that's why we have to have the Holy Spirit. We can't just say kingdom of God and now we're going to do church because we have to have that Holy Spirit's power within us and bringing us together to really love one another to forgive one another when we blow it, because we will, to serve one another when we're not worthy of being served. We really need that so that God can lead us into the community that he has for us. He creates it, and then he dwells within it. It says in scripture that where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst of it. So, He is the author of the church. He is the author of our faith and wants to bring us into the fullness of that for our own good and as a light to the world that desperately needs the kingdom of God. So a Christian is one who follows Jesus by devoting his or her one life to God's kingdom dream in a community empowered by God's Spirit. I have a a video to finish up with today. It's about five minutes long and um, you'll love it because the first part of it is a cartoon.
1: The Big Red Tractor and the Little Village Once upon a time in a little field in a happy little village lived a big red tractor. Every morning during plowing season, the village people, no, not those village people, would come out and start the red tractor. Everyone loved the tractor and the powerful noises it would make. They would cheer for the big red tractor because he would help them through plowing season. The people worked together to move the tractor. Half of the villagers would push from behind, while the other half would pull. They had been doing it this way for many generations. Some days they moved the tractor 10 feet. Some days they moved it 20. They did this for three whole months every year. Because of their hard work, the villagers always managed to plow the field just in time to plant and just before the rainy season. The rains would come to water the field. Then the sun would come out to make the crops grow. And then the people would come out and harvest all the new crops. It was just enough food to feed the entire village. One day, Farmer Dave was cleaning out his attic. To his surprise, he found an old book tucked beneath his great-grandpa's belongings. It was the owner's manual to the Big Red Tractor. This book told about how the tractor was made and all of the great things it could do. Farmer Dave studied the book all night. He was shocked by what he was reading. According to the book, if the big red tractor was running properly, it could plow the whole field in just one day. Early the next morning, Farmer Dave gathered the villagers to tell them the good news. But nobody believed him. There's no way that tractor can move on its own, some said. One lady said, it sounds like you're reading a fairy tale. The people laughed at him. This made Farmer Dave very sad. This didn't stop Farmer Dave from believing what he read. Every night, while the other villagers were asleep, Farmer Dave spent time repairing the big red tractor. One night, Farmer Dave fixed the tractor completely. He jumped on the tractor and had so much fun driving it, he ended up plowing the whole field in one night. The next morning, the villagers woke up and were in shock. The whole field had been plowed. It's a miracle, one man said. Maybe aliens came down, said an old woman. No, look over there, a little boy shouted. It was Farmer Dave, sleeping on the tractor. It was then that people shouted. He was right, the tractor book is true. The villagers ended up plowing many fields that year and harvesting way more food than they could ever eat. They had so many leftover boxes of food that they began taking the boxes to other villages where food was scarce. The big red tractor and his little village soon became famous throughout the land. They became known as the most generous and life-giving people in the whole wide world. If you haven't figured it out, the red tractor represents the church Um, we've we've had this church system for for years now that has been fine at taking care of their own and and surviving but when you read the manual when you read the bible i mean don't you see something different don't you see something supernatural uh, so much of church is, is human effort and people pushing it along, getting the most gifted speakers and musicians and, and dancers and planners and businessmen. And, oh, let's, let's move this thing along. And things happen. But when you read in Scripture, don't you see that there was so much more that was supernatural? That, that the church had a movement of its own, that the Holy Spirit really led this, this movement and, and things would happen and the people just kind of come alongside of it and reap the benefits. I, I, when, I, when I see the scriptures, I see a church that's unstoppable. And part of my frustration is I feel like today's church is so stoppable you just take away uh, enough of these gifted people, and it's going to die. Um, you just change this or that, and the whole thing would die. Whereas in the scriptures, there was no way that church was going to die. There was a power of its own. It was fueled by the Holy Spirit, and and I really believe that if we began to live the way the Holy Spirit wanted us to live, that amazing things would happen.
0: The big red tractor runs best when it's run by the way that the book says it should be. I believe that we want that dream. We want that red tractor. Sometimes we're afraid. What happens if we abandon ourselves to God through the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we're afraid that he might not show up. What happens if he doesn't come through? Or sometimes our fear is that he will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your great plan for us and that your grace is more than enough. Lord, I come before you this morning and give you thanks Lord, that the way that we need to do church, God, is to follow you. I thank you, Father, for your word, and that it says that as Peter spoke your word, your words of power, that people were broken in their heart before you and said, What can we do? And it's repent be baptized and follow the Lord together. So Lord, we welcome you here this morning. We tell you Jesus that you are the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you for that. Lord, it's only by your grace, by your blood that we are forgiven and cleansed and that faith in that Lord with you brings us to new life. Lord, I ask that your grace would give us all that we need today, Lord, to surrender to you. And I thank you, Lord, that the journey is one day at a time, one moment at a time. Father, I ask that you would give us the grace to say yes to you. And I thank you, Lord, that in your mercy, Lord, that you are always pouring out and giving to your children lord you're not taking away you're you're wanting god to give us more of you more of the life lord that you have planned for us father we thank you for the honor of being your church here and we ask lord that that god that we would meet with you right now lord each one father to consider your words and what it is that you're saying to us And Lord, we don't want to be a church that just pushes things along and does things in our own strength or in our own way. But God, we want what you have for us. We want you to plow the fields, Lord, for your harvest. We give you thanks, Lord, that we can come alongside you. And we ask, Lord, that as we as we come together now, Lord, to consider your death and resurrection, as we remember you in communion, Lord. We just give you thanks that you and you alone are our purpose. And we praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.